It's the Blue Vote Cafe, a little bit wonkish, a whole lot of fun. I'm David Schellenberg. Along with me again is Rachel Oyster. Hello, Rachel. Hello, David. We How are, are the co-chairs. Good. We are the two co-chairs. <laughs> uh, Democrats have brought for Canada's capital region in Ottawa, <laughs> in Ontario, in Canada, Rachel. In the world, in the solar system, in the universe, were you going there? Uh, well, it was being it's going to stop at Canada, <laughs> so that you could introduce our guest. <laughs> our guest today, and we've already been laughing together, is Steve Nardi, who is the chair of Democrats Abroad Canada, and who is someone we have been working with very closely through the last months. Hello, Steve. Hello, Rachel. Hello, David. Hello. <laughs> it's great to have you with us today. <laughs> Would you like to? answer the first question we ask all of our podcast guests if they are members of democrats abroad what state do you vote out of i vote out of michigan which was very important in this last election (laughs) yes it was yeah and where do you live now i live outside of uh, toronto in mississauga right and uh, what brought you out of michigan and into mississauga uh well I actually came to Canada from Texas, um, and as for many, uh, as happens for many Americans, where they may be working overseas or abroad, um, along the way you may meet somebody. And, uh, I think love is the most common answer to that question. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. I think we're going to have to start making charts about this. <laughs> it's it's uh, when I the first uh, global meeting I went to uh, when joining. Democrats abroad. It was in Washington and I met a, a lovely woman from Norway. I said, do you like Norway? And she said, well, I like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it was, it, that was one of the first I met and it does seem to be a community. Right? It absolutely so, is. As to uh, how many of us end up being abroad. Yep. Yep. Well, love, work. I, I don't know what else would take you out of But love US. seems to be at more, way more than its fair share. It's kind of than work. <laughs> What is the fair share for know, love, David? I, know, I don't know, but, but it's just funny how the amount of times that's the answer. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's as it should be. So, Steve, but, you are the chair for Canada. Yes, I am. Uh, it's I've been chair for the past three and a half years, um, working with an amazing team of volunteers, um, and it, it's it's a unique challenge for Canada compared to most of our fellow country committees because. Pretty much everything we do at a country committee level has to be done virtually. Um, right. You know, we've got the 14 chapters across five time zones and uh, leadership across those time zones. We, we come together regularly, but we do it all virtually. There's the distance of Canada, but there's also the sheer volume of Americans that are in Canada. Oh, it's an incredible number. Um, Canada has the largest number of Americans living abroad. Um, the last estimate that, I, that I've been working with this year, as far as numbers, comes from the 2016 Federal Voter Assistance Program report to Congress, which identified approximately 800,000 Americans living in Canada. Wow. And, and is there, I think there's a reason to think not every single person may be counted in that number. No, nobody, no one has an absolute number. Yeah. Um, you know, the State Department has estimates, uh, but unless every American living in Canada registered with the State Department is living here. Uh, uh, I know, didn't. We, we, right. And, 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 and we've had Americans living in Canada try to participate in the census, and it's not for 
um, Americans living abroad. So there is no uh, true measurement of an, of an exact number, right? Um, unfortunately. Right. Which just strikes me as fascinating on how, how we just don't know. And I remember talking to the U.S. Embassy in Ottawa here five years ago or so un, under Obama, five, six years ago. And, and they were quite clear. Canada is the place where Americans go to hide. <laughs> well, that's well, one I think, perspective. <laughs> I think and, and there's probably an audience, you know, uh, I would still say there, there's people who, who made Canada home, you know, during Vietnam yes. um, that are still here. And, and so, you know, I don't know, let's say hide, but they had their reasons. Yes. Um, Actually you know, a neighbor for, of for mine that brought them here. To, yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say a neighbor uh, of mine is, is one of those people who came here to avoid the draft and guess what? Fell in love. He's still here. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. Um, there's, you know, a variety of reasons I think that Canada appeals to Americans and the, the closeness, the other option is Mexico as far as if you were choosing a new life, but yeah, you can stay close to home. Yeah. You can drive um, back if you need to. Mm-hmm. Right. So for the Canada Country Committee of DA, you've already mentioned one of the challenges being the geography. Are there other challenges that are specific to Canada? There are, from my perspective, um, that I share, you know, whenever I have the opportunity, especially when we're at global meetings and we're talking to our peers and hearing of the activities they're doing. And, and for an example, you know, we've read on, on the leadership messages in past where France, uh, DA France held a, a weekend event in Toulouse that sold out. <sighs> and yet in Canada, um, we have we've had chapters who have had to cancel a 4th of July event because 15 people, um, didn't RSVP. So, uh, you know, I've looked at this from various perspectives over the years and, and what I recognize is that being an American living in Canada is very different from being an American living in Italy, living in Egypt, living in Singapore, um, China, where, it's not in our face every day that we're necessarily living in a different country mm-hmm. because there are so many similarities. And when I walk out my door in the morning and say good morning to my neighbor and I get a good morning back, um, I was I participated on a 4th of July event for the UK uh, country committee this year. And they had a, uh, a trivia contest as part of it. And, and then they did kind of a scavenger hunt challenge. And, and I was listening in at this point and, and they said, go and find the people that have been talking about what do they miss on the 4th of July? And they, they talked about yellow mustard and, <laughs> and you know, these different items. right? But because, and I'm going, okay. That's something well, you can miss. <laughs> on the 4th of July, when you're on in a hot country, dog, yeah. on a hot dog, right? Yep. So um, there was a, number of items that they, you know, people had expressed, oh, you know, they missed or wish they could, you know, hadn't had in a long time. And so then the, the, the host said, okay, go to your pantry or kitchen or whatever. This is like for one of the challenges and go and find one, you know, one of those items from home. Well, 
at this point, well, I can participate in this one. And in, in mere seconds, I had a countertop full of <laughs> items from home that we were all familiar with. And right away, the host disqualified me. And I said, why am I disqualified? Said, because we, we had to bring this across the ocean. <laughs> uh, okay. But it, afterwards, I, I thought about it and I said, this is another example. So... You know, we have access to all of the, the U.S. networks for a majority of where the population lives in Canada. You know, whether you're in the East Coast and Central or in the West, you know, you, you, they pull in from the U.S. networks. Um, the, the primary, there's, you know, two primary languages, one of them being English, official languages, and, and, and newspaper, like most things that we encounter are in our nat- natural language. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, I already, you know, getting the attention of Americans in Canada can be a challenge just because we don't necessarily go looking for each other. We don't tune into an English voice. I'll talk to people, you know, doing phone banking and, and calling over into Europe, Middle East. And they'll, they'll talk about like they've been somewhere and they, out of nowhere, they hear an, an English voice and right. they just gravitate to that. Yeah. We don't, we're not driven that way. Um, here. So then after that little, that, that little scavenger hunt and I thought about it and I said, here's another example. So many of the brands that we grew up with are here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily have the, the number of items, but the brands have a presence mm-hmm. going, whether I'm going to get the yellow mustard or I'm going to get my fruit loops. You know, because um, I was thinking that's, that's not just the McDonald's and the Wendy's. It is no, 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 the, no. The breakfast it's, cereals. Right. The grocery store items, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are, yeah, they're here in many cases. No, that's true. Um, so it's, it's getting awareness and being a 100% volunteer organization. Um, and, and it, it's, it's hard to, to get attention. Um, uh, even, you know, with, when, with our chapters, they're able to get attention at a local level to a degree. Um, but it's still, we could be at a festival and I meet people who say, I've been here 30 years. I didn't know you were here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, and it's not, it's not a unique challenge for Democrats abroad Canada. I mean, I have the other hat that I wear is for hospice Toronto and, mm-hmm. and, and I've got run into people who say, uh, you know, my neighbor two doors down who looked after her, both of her dying parents, we hadn't been introduced yet. And then when she found out what I was involved in and what was available and she had no idea she could have had mm-hmm. in-home help. Yes. So it, it's a just, it, there are challenges in general for organizations um, in trying to get the word out across, you know, vast geographical areas and, and, and through a lot of noise yeah. often too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but I will say this year was probably an easier year of getting attention. Um, <laughs> not that was the only Americans, thing that was easy this year. Not, <laughs> not just of Americans in Canada, but Canadians. Canadians, in Canada, yeah. Um, who were who have watched? I've had I, I had Canadian friends who have watched for four years and long discussions and um, you know just as interested if and in some cases more interested. Like they they were on every debate and with some post conversations and thoughts and um, it, it, so it was a little easier this year to to get some awareness it was amazing this year the amount of Canadians who wanted to help and mm-hmm. you had to say no 
It, it was, uh, uh, yes, unfortunate um, that we, we, well, so it was great. The number of Canadians who were reaching out was phenomenal um, who wanted to assist. And in past years, we've been able to have them participate in our phone banking activities. Um, but the organization globally has adopted the European GDPR privacy rules. So that then um, puts very tight controls over data and access to data. So it then, um, that was no longer an option. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where you know, the act, our work in relational organizing um, came into to play where Canadians could help share our messaging and do their own messaging through their social media channels. And, and sometimes, I mean, it was, it was one of our members, but um, sometimes it's, it was just, if you're out in the community, just if you'd hear something. And, and I'll give an example of where our chapter chair in Montreal was at the post office. And there was a person in front of her and a person behind her. And the person in front of her was, she overheard, was mailing a package to the U.S. And, and decided to step up and ask if they were an American and were they sending in their taxes? And the answers were yes and yes. And were they registered to vote? And that was a no. And they didn't know they could vote. And by the end of it, um, she had them all set to go home and go to votefromabroad.org and register uh, to vote and, and request their ballot. And at the time they finished, the gentleman who was in line behind her apparently felt left out and said, um, I'm an American. (laughs) 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 So, you know, uh, there's even in, in those opportunities, even my neighbors where we were banging pots and pans to honor the the frontline workers, um, you know, with, with COVID and a conversation ensued with one who hadn't, he hadn't been out with us for a while. And, and it turned out his son was born in California. And I had talked about people. What I don't understand is the people who in, they, they remain current with the IRS requirements of filing their taxes, filing FATCA, FBARs, but don't vote. Yeah. And, and that, that one I, I have a real, I, I really struggle with. It's, it's, that taxation without representation, Boston Tea Party. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want residency-based taxation um, and, and fixes to FACTA and FBAR. Um, but we've got to get the right people in office. And, and if you're, you're filing your taxes, but you're not voting, you're, you're consenting to taxation without representation. And there was a little thing like the Boston Tea Party that said, <laughs> well, we kind of don't want that anymore. Um, so we had this conversation and I shared my frustration with people, my, my, my inability to understand why somebody would file taxes, but not vote. And so we, we were parting ways. We say goodbye. And, and then he said, yeah, that's going to be Griffin's problem for the rest of his life. And I said, why? Wait, what? And that's when he said, well, Griffin was born in California. And he doesn't vote. And he's filing his taxes. I said, Dave, what was the conversation we just had? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the card. Here's the and, and he says, you know, but it's only one. I said, but that that's just how it's done. Yes. One at a time, one at a time. And then through my neighborhood conversations, by the end of it, I had like five or six different votes, voters register. 
It's amazing what happens when you start talking to people. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where we were encouraging Canadians is on the relational organizing. You know, listen to convert. You know, uh, to to people. Um, think about who's in your network, um, and that you may know that that one of your friends is American, but it may not have occurred to you and them that the child they've had here is also American. Right. Um, so. Wait, I just want to change course a little bit. When you were elected in 2017, mm-hmm. what did you think was going to be ahead of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Canada had been producing and, and we've been doing our work with the recruiting uh, uh, voters and running the global primary. Um, and we, you know, had a good engagement. Um, we were in the top two of, of membership in the organization globally and, and things kind of just were going along. Um, in 2017, it was the first time that, uh, at the country committee at the Canada level that we had contested elections, hmm. um, that we had interest in for people coming out to be leaders in this organization, which was fantastic. Because mm-hmm. um, historically, uh, and, and I don't know if people think that, you know, you have to live in one of the major metropolitan cities to be a leader in this organization, but you could be in a Callowit and be the chair of Democrats Abroad Canada. Sure. Um, we are a virtual organization. Um, so it, uh, you know, I anticipated there was work, but there was also, you know, times if you stepped away, you know, previous chairs have had, you know, abilities to be off it for different periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and about two weeks into it, um, my husband came home and he came down into my office and he said, why am I sensing that this might be a full-time job? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, nah, this is, this is startup. This learning is, this curve. Is learning curve, growing pains. <laughs> and three and a half years later, it comes into my office and says, he's still in startup? <laughs> So it's, um, but it's been amazing. Um, the energy that, that people brought to the organization, both at the country committee level and at the chapter levels, you know, where we've now expanded to 14 chapters. Um, how many were there in 2017? 11. Oh, wow. Uh, 11, 10, uh, 10, I would say 10. Wow. Um, and then with uh, uh, Winnipeg, um, uh, Winnipeg, Windsor, Niagara, and Atlantic provinces. Um, uh, well, Atlantic provinces was active at that point, and then had gone quiet. And, mm. and since so, yeah, there were eleven at that at, at twenty seventeen, um, which is that's it's a it's it's a lot it's a large organization with a with a lot of passion um and it was you know unfortunately uh, as an or a global organization you know we're we've been learning about getting better at leaving institutional knowledge and um so that the people who will follow us will have heads up on to things that are coming 
um, maybe a little clearer <laughs> Surprise. Than, than, than our team's experience, particularly in this year. The, the, the uh, you know, we ramped up um, our fundraising through our webinar series in 2018 or 2017 and 2018 so that uh, we ran a campaign office for two months. Uh, in Toronto where we had volunteers in six days a week doing phone banking. Um, And through that, that two months, they made 20,000 phone calls to uh, DA members, not just in Canada. They were calling throughout the Americas region. Um, And we were, it was the first time Canada had ever been able to accomplish that. Only the UK had been doing it before then. And we had every reason to be very proud of being able to achieve that because yeah. that was a big step forward for Canada mm-hmm. and, and a tremendous support for the global effort. Um, then if we jump ahead, because most of the activities that relate to, you know, uh, American voters, it's, it's in the, the midterm election cycle and then, uh, um, the general. So then if we jump ahead to this year and and we came into 2020 anticipating, okay, so we ran a campaign office in 2018. Let's do two offices this time. (laughs) One in the East, one in the West. Great idea at the start of 2020. Absolutely. At at the start of 2020, it was, you know what, we're going to double that effort and we're going to dedicate our own resource so that we're for the first time going to be able to specifically call all the members in Canada. Yep. And, we're we're going to put 30 we, people in a small room and get them to make well, phone calls. Yeah, yeah, but in two locations so that we made sure our West Coast, our, our members in the West um, received the same uh, outreach that the members in the East did um, because with time zones and if you try to run it out of one, it just becomes a real challenge yeah. mm-hmm. as to equally covering the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew, all right, what well, we needed to, we had an idea then what we would need to uh, fundraise to support two offices and and the chapters had their strategies of they were going to participate in the usual community festivals and be out in the community areas with their signage and and you know trying to uh, connect with americans in, in different locations um and then covid came mm-hmm. and we had as an organization had to completely rethink what the hell are we going to do this time. Um, clearly as you know, David alluded, yeah, there was no way we were even, even, you know, the conversations in March, you know, somebody, there people said, you know, by September, I said, yeah, even if in a dream world, this thing is gone, you're not going to get people to say, sure, I'll just now go sit in a closed room for four hours a day and (laughs) with a group of strangers and make phone calls. So (laughs) like, even if, so we knew right away, like not that, okay, off the table, it was, you know, a new, a whole new game. Um, and there have been, well, as devastating and, and, uh, and the hardships that, that COVID has caused, so many um this organization has actually found ways to um be better and and do more than we ever ever would have done otherwise hmm. um i am and and, and and i was going to be incredibly proud that, that we pulled off two campaign offices and made fifty thousand phone calls compared to the twenty thousand we did two years ago hmm. 
what happened this year, I, I still look for the words to describe the level of pride that I have for the, the efforts of hundreds of volunteers who put in thousands and thousands of hours to get out the vote this year. Um, so I talked about the 20,000 phone calls in 2018. Mm-hmm. Our phone bankers, phone bankers from Canada, from their homes, made over 105,000 phone calls globally. <laughs> Amazing. 105,000 phone calls. Wow. That was 17% of the global effort. Wow. Um, And this was all done from people's homes. We had a phone banker who came out of nowhere out in British Columbia who would wake up at 4 4 a.m. Pacific time because campaigns would be open um, that they could get on in uh, Europe, Middle East. And then as Canada would open, they'd flip over to Canada. For the first time, we had chapter level campaigns um, where we could, the chapters could actually be calling their members. Mm-hmm. And that was just incredibly successful. We called over 15,000 of our, at that point we had 20, almost 21,000 members. Um, over 15,000 of them were contactable by phone and we contacted all of them. Um, by election day, we had grown to over 25,000 members. Amazing. Which was, a, that represents over 90% growth from 2016 and nearly close to 40% growth just in 2020. Wow. Um, it, it, the volume, the passion, the energy, it has truly been, um, as the chair, many times an effort to keep up. Same with David chairs of the, the chapter committees. <laughs> Yes, because of the energy and, and, and so much effort going on. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we had an initiative that, that the chapters got connected with that started in Germany, but the way it got introduced was one chapter got through, through this conversation and one chapter through totally unrelated conversation that by the time we even were aware of it, chapters were going in different directions and one was working on this group and it it was like, what has happened here? (laughs) Um, and you can't, you know, you can try to bring people together virtually, but again, across five time zones, you're pretty limited into, um, how you get everybody in one call. And, uh, but through coordination, um, Denise Roy stepped in and said, yeah, we could do this nationally. And, you know, by the end of it, volunteers hand colored 6,000 postcards <laughs> that went out to swing state voters across Canada. Incredible. Um, it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. You reminded me, Steve, a minute ago of a quote that has been misattributed to Gandhi. I think it was actually a, a minor Napoleonic uh, officer who said this, but um, it was something along the lines of there go my followers. I must run after them for I am their leader. Hmm. I like that. Isn't that great? I like that. That's and you just very said appropriate. That. Yep. that is very appropriate. Um, you know, and it, but but it was a good. It was a great problem to have. Yeah. Um, I mean, far far better to have you know the, this energy and the and the motivation and the number of activities um, to to change 
you know, the, the outcome from Canada. So in 2016, out of those 800,000 Americans living here, I don't think we've talked to this yet, you know, only a little of 5.3%, uh, so about 32, 33,000 voted. So that's where we had, we, we had a big target ahead of us where we needed to, to make a change. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, in 2016, 7,200 DA Canada members had engaged in voting, um, which was about 55% of our membership. So we had some work to do mm-hmm. um, in not only in, in um, reaching, you know, getting our members to uh, engage in voting at a greater percentage, but reaching out to more Americans to encourage them to register to vote and request their ballot. And in many cases, educating them mm-hmm. that if you were an American who moved here and you since given birth to a child who in Canada, but they are an American citizen mm-hmm. and they have the right to vote in many cases. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, uh, there, there was a lot of work ahead of us. It's, it's funny when you talk about that one, uh, volunteer out of British Columbia who did, did all that work, because I think Rachel and I, one of the things we both noticed was it wasn't just one person that sort of stepped up and did a whole lot of work. There was a bunch of these individuals, uh, cause there's, there's a lot of us, you know, many hands make light work, but there was a good, I don't know, 10 or 20 or 50 of them across the country who did way more than their share. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, with the, the chapter level campaigns, chapters supported each other um, to because uh, their original goal was to reach 25 percent of their members. And, and the chapters said, yeah, we, we're going for 100 <laughs> um, percent. And when they would complete theirs, they would help other chapters you know, who had many more calls to make. Um, but in all the, the in all the calls, it seemed like there was maybe 5% or 6% of people who made the majority of the calls. It was those, those certain phenomenal individuals. Oh yeah. It was, well, some of them would be motivated. There's a leaderboard. Um, I was just going to ask about that because I kept hearing about the leaderboard, but I don't know anything about it. The leaderboard is an interesting thing because if you, if you watch it, you can see how you're performing, how you're advancing compared to other phone bankers within your country or if you want, or globally. Um, And as, as I've spoken to people, it's interesting that when I do phone banking, I'll look and see, you know, I think I'll, I'll set, say, okay, I'm going to do it for this long. And then I'll look and see how many calls did I make? And all right, maybe if I, I make 20 more calls, I'll move up a couple of spots on the leaderboard. Sure. I'll yeah. make a couple 20 more calls, but then people started connecting through that leaderboard. So, huh. so can the top two phone bankers in Canada, um, one's in British Columbia, one's in Ontario. Um, they, like they, they developed a friendship. They didn't know each other before they started phone banking and it, they saw their names on the leaderboard and, and they just through that reached out to each other. Right. And, and now they've got this, this long lasting friendship that that'll be there out beyond that. We've seen that um, happen all over though. Right. I mean, we, all of us have met people well, virtually through working on working with DA and have formed incredible friendships that will last for a long time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, to back to David's point about yeah. the, the phone bankers where, yeah. People that we've never met before. Yes. A professor at Queen's University yeah. who had 
summer off and, and out of the chapter level campaigns, this individual rose to the top of the charts. <laughs> and, and I had people who were more internal in the organization who were phone banking, who were on the competitive side saying, who is this person? <laughs> they couldn't keep up with him. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I've got to find out. <laughs> um, but I do remember getting an email from Stephanie, who was running the GOTV effort. It was like, who is this? This guy, is he 20 years old? Does he drink nothing but caffeine? <laughs> right. Are they on Red Bull all the time? Yeah, exactly. out, of, out, of, out of the, out of the, the CCR chapter. Yeah, exactly. There were some great stories that, that came out of this, you know, where people that, you know, we we've never known we've never met before um <laughs> stepped forward and did amazing work we we put teams together of incredibly talented people who stepped forward with digital marketing skills um from strategy development and content development and and uh ad placement strategies um our communication strategy overall was absolutely rock solid far like knocked it out of the park um our overall get out the vote efforts again knocked it out of the park the the various elements um you know outside of, of phone banking um with the we had an extensive digital media strategy uh we had a very talented we still had this voter assistance team primarily out of our kitchener waterloo chapter um who are providing one-on-one -on -one support to voters with any assistance they have, whether it's challenges with registering to vote, requesting their ballot, receiving it, shipping it in, um, and are doing extensive work uh, on our Georgia uh, reach out for the runoffs. Mm -hmm. um, we had a team that came together, and Rachel was, was actively engaged on the celebrity videos. Mm -hmm. um, right. You yes. know, it, it's, it started with a suggestion, again, out of a member from the the capital region chapter mm -hmm. um and we pull the team together and there's always you know there's some where you have some sort of a connection you go you play the six degrees of separation game and then <laughs> there's others uh, sure throw a name out there anybody here nobody's gotten sure but it's on the wish list yeah. and it it started slow um and, and, and Rachel and I both, you know, took turns at kind of moving it forward and going, we're going to, it's going to strike. Like we're, something's going to happen. Yep. And finally it happened. And the outcome is we have a very, um, active, engaged YouTube channel now as a result with videos from people like John Irving, Margaret Atwood, mm -hmm. um, Catherine McClenahan, who is a, a much music uh, VJ, um, Alanis Morissette. Um, the, the one that, that I, when I put it out on my Instagram, out of all of the videos, <laughs> the one that just took off in, in my little world was my virtual mo my viral moment because out of my 70 followers it, it had gotten like in no time viewed like 500 times and it, it was from marlo thomas and phil donahue <laughs> um and it is a great video it's the sweetest um, thing it is and, and if you've ever caught a saint jude's commercial the setting may look familiar the format may look familiar sounds familiar yeah but it is, you know, one of our volunteers, one of our co-vice chairs in Toronto, um, secured that like through different volunteers reaching out. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, we, we leveraged access to getting other voices, um, to help reach those Americans that, that we can't 
get connect with. Um, one of our volunteers made a video that's on there on how step-by-step on filling out the federal writing absentee ballot. That is one of the most active videos on the channel. Wow. Mm. That's great. Because of, of how thorough the, the work is on that, you know, and, and that was, they, they offered that up, um, you know, unsolicited. Um, we have another member who is, is a musician, wonderful uh, musician in the Toronto chapter who submitted a, a link to a song that she wrote and, and sang called Love Letter to the USA, um, which is about her mailing in her, her ballot to Iowa. Um, it's that, beautiful. That, it is and, beautiful. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And 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 Lynn graciously uh, came and performed live for us on the election night watch. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's uh, and then we've got um, uh, obviously the Blue Vote Cafe. Um, <laughs> you know, from from when you two started this, um, <laughs> I am just so incredibly proud of what it has evolved to the, the reach that, that it's become, that it's gotten. Um, and, and that you've been, you, you've been able to, to build something here that that's got standing and sustainability. Hmm. Um, I, I'm just, I, I was proud just when you two said you were going to be doing this for Canada and, mm-hmm. and you know, what, from that first episode, what, what, what it's evolved to, I, I just, thanks. Pulled kudos and props to you two for, for, uh, keeping with it and, and developing it, um, as you have. Thanks. Um, it, it's another way, you know, and, and it went global, you know, it's not just reaching Americans in Canada, it's reaching Americans around the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you look at our stats, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Speaking and of, st- the, yeah, go ahead. Finish. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, then we had, you know, the external voices, um, really external voices um, through Ambassador Bruce Heyman and his wife, Vicki, who have been guests uh, on the Blue Vote Cafe, uh, mm-hmm. former U.S. ambassador to Canada. He, they were the first to step up and they reached out and said, we want to engage. And through those steps, they and Democrats abroad uh, worked on this ambassadors for Biden initiative that it became a global effort of, of former ambassadors working with various country committees. But I'm most proud of the efforts that, that Bruce and Vicki put in across Canada. It was truly amazing. They were um, everywhere. Tireless, um, just, just full of optimism, energy, uh, Passion. And great messaging. Yes. It's mm. uh, forever to be friends that that I will always be grateful for them bringing their voice and seeing the potential Um, because Canada, Canada gets overlooked generally by the political world in that many active politicians you'll find, Oh, you know, Nancy Pelosi's in Paris or, Mm -hmm. or Tom Perez is in Berlin or, Mm -hmm. you know, they come to Canada when it's time to sell the books. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and it's true it's true there was the, the, the Toronto Star wrote an article uh, I think about two years ago because within a two week about a two week window Barack Michelle Joe Hillary and Bill were all into we're all in Toronto yeah. at various points not for and nobody doing the same event 
Right. Um, I think Barack and Hillary's were back to back. So they actually were able to meet up and have dinner. Um, <laughs> but, but that's when they come here. And, and, you know, at that point, organizations are paying big bucks. So getting close to them is, is not easy in getting their support. So uh, having uh, the support of Bruce and Vicky just was meant the world to me mm-hmm. as far as seeing Canada get recognized for the potential that we had to contribute. Um, and, and I'll go to, if you want to talk about stats and stuff before I talk about the other external party, cause it, it, they wouldn't play into stats. Right. <laughs> sure. Sorry. No, that's okay. There was, there were several branches in the path. <laughs> uh, because I was going to say one of the things we contributed was Michigan. Michigan, Michigan. So it, uh, Michigan is, is a big uh, feather in the cap for DA Canada. Um, you know, we have voters from all 50 states as members. Um, and it, understandably, the border states are, are larger, where a larger membership comes from, with the exception of uh, California and Florida. Hmm. Um, otherwise pretty much, you know, Washington, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, and then on up into new England, mm-hmm. um, is where, you know, majority of the membership comes from. And, uh, Stephanie Perry, our get out the vote coordinator and I were having a conversation on, we had a little bit more we could spend before reaching the spending cap of the federal election commission. And we had been asked to find ways of spending it in other than digital, because that was pretty much locked down and funded. Um, so there was an opportunity to go elsewhere. And, and Stephanie says, you know, wrapping a bus in Toronto and uh, a neighbor is, works, is connected with the TTC. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to send this text and see what that costs. And yeah, way out of our uh, price line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she got me thinking and, and I said, but you know, there's an area I've been going to for 20 years where my husband's family is from is Windsor. And um, every American I meet down there is a Michigander. And then I like, let me look at this. And I looked at the chapter membership and I, wow, over 50% of the members of the Windsor chapter are Michiganders. Which wow. is across the river. Like literally, yes, across yes. the Detroit river. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they have the international freedom festival every Canada day, 4th of July um, with that culminates with an amazing fireworks festival. Um, and, and they've got, you know, operations happening on both sides of the river hmm, for nice. a week. Um, but when I saw that and I looked at other chapters, this, this dynamic doesn't exist anywhere else where in one chapter, and it, it, I don't think it exists globally where one unit, the membership is greater than 50%. It makes up is from one state. Mm-hmm. So, in 2016, Michigan was lost by between 10 and 11,000 votes. So not, not a number that was unattainable as far as I was concerned. Going when you figure there's 800,000 four years ago, how many more have, have arrived? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I then pursued, well, okay, so it started with what would, let's try with some bus ads. And it actually worked with our available budget. And we were able to put bus ads on a few buses for a month. And what that generated was just amazing. The, the exposure um, through with media and the jump in membership their, their increase in membership was outside the norm of what was happening across the country hmm. um, by at least by another, you know, 5% over where everybody else had been. Um, and then donors stepped forward and, uh, and, and the global organization also supported us uh, so that we could place ads in the Windsor star. And we ran two weeks of ads on a top rated radio station and, um, really reaching out to the Michigan voter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 we had tremendous success. We were also working in coordination with Governor Whitmer's team on uh, media engagement and Governor Whitmer uh, produced a video, a, a voter outreach video for Democrats abroad to share with Michiganders. Um, and even, you know, it, 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 that actually got us some international exposure where yes, you know, yeah. I had, I spoke with NBC news and Reuters mm-hmm. about, um, Canada's efforts and, uh, um, specifically the focus on Michigan because of the potential to deliver a change there. Mm-hmm. That, that I'm, I'm incredibly proud of and, and is an awesome case study for us to go work, uh, in, in the midterms and really in, 24 on how we can work closer with, with some of these states and, and focus in, because I think there may be a couple of other pockets. People have shared uh, in Atlantic Canada, um, you know, focus on the main voter uh, could be very worthwhile. Hmm. True. Uh, not to mention putting bus ads in cities where it's affordable. I mean, I could see that doing great good in Ottawa, for example, mm-hmm. people here from all over. Yeah, absolutely. It's a small enough city that it should it won't be as expensive as Toronto. But. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, and and that's exactly the kind of thing that, that I'm excited to look forward to. To how can we build that out? Um, even though I, you know, my time as chair will be up in March, but I'm going to be past chair and and still active in getting out the vote, as several others have already said. Even though they're exhausted, um, <laughs> we, we, we did some fantastic work across this country yeah. that um, we want to build on. Some things were, were late, like outreach to law firms and banks and, and other corporations where they have Americans as employees um, and unions and other associations hmm. um, because it, many of them see it as, you know, as an as a corporate responsibility to make sure their employees from other countries are aware of, you know, what they have access to, what their rights may be. Yeah. Just to simply to vote, not even vote in any particular way. Just right, right, right. No, pure nonpartisan. It Mm -hmm. was a pure nonpartisan outreach messaging. It's got nothing to do with, you know, registering for, for the blue wave or anything like that. Just educating Americans. And, and, and that's what it's about. You know, for all of our work is, yes, we are reaching out to our members who are, we know are, are Democrats, and, uh, but we're reaching out to all Americans because at the end of the day, people need to exercise their right to vote. Yes. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, and will others who may not vote our way, you know, you end up raising awareness for them. Yes, that's part of it. 
Um, but that's what Democrats abroad is our, in our charter is to assist Americans living abroad to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. And then, so one of those activities, um, or another external voice in that area that stepped forward this year was the Toronto Raptors. Right. And, and I received an email from an assistant coach in, over the summer. And at first I, I thought I was possibly being punked um, <laughs> because again, getting awareness in Canada is not so easy. Yeah. This is, you know, many of the players are Americans. Much of the coaching staff are Americans and um, they have an incredible following on social media and they felt that they could leverage their voice to reach out to Americans um, to uh, educate them as well on their right to vote and, and how to request a ballot. And, and even though they were promoting the, the government site to uh, request a ballot, you know, I, I shared with folks that it kind of clicked at a certain point over the summer where, you know, really running a business that has one objective to produce one product there's a specific due date. There's, you can't change the due date. You can't say, Oh, there's a quality issue. We need to, we're going to be late. Um, every one of those products that gets delivered has to be a hundred percent accurate. Um, but our objective as Democrats abroad, Canada was to deliver more than 33,000 of those products. Um, you know, with the increase, however we could. And I was just so proud of being partners with the Raptors, um, helping, you know, support their messaging. Our communications team helped get their message into non-sports channels um, mm-hmm. where, you know, for example, I, I saw Coach Nurse on, on a political interview. And with every question, the interviewer would, would lead it with Mr. Nurse, Mr. Nurse, Mr. Nurse. And I, it, it stood out for me because I've never heard him referred to. <laughs> it's always coach. You know, when, it, when the interviewer was asking the question, they're talking to him as coach. Right. And I went, coach is not normally on a political show. No. The political journalist is not normally interviewing a sports personality. You know, they did incredible work at, at getting the message out on channels that they were, you know, they went outside of their comfort zone um, that I'm just so grateful for. And uh, I'm excited to see when the numbers do come in, which is going to take a while to see the, the full results. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see, you know, what was, you know, how, what was the change in the site for where they were uh, directing voters, but collectively with, with the Raptors efforts and, and with the Heyman's efforts and our hundreds of volunteers, I am extremely confident that at minimum, the vote will have doubled in 2020. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I, 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 I cannot see for Democrats abroad Canada. Uh, we went from 55% of our members engaging in voting four years ago to over 80% of our 25,000 members. Incredible. Um, which is phenomenal. Um, just votes from abroad requests from Canada equaled or exceeded the the total vote from Canada four years ago. Wow. So there are many areas for people to request their ballot. Many requested directly with the state. Some use 
the feap.gov and, and there's other sites um but just vote from abroad.org delivered the request for pretty much the the 2016 turnout from canada amazing so i am very optimistic as to uh where this can go and, and um you know with our work now on georgia we're focusing in on the runoffs uh, we're doing this in a different strategy where it's more of a one-on-one relationship. We don't want to overwhelm uh, Georgia voters with a bunch of random phone banking. No, um, no, no. Like I, I feel I, I pity the Georgia voter who lives in Georgia right <laughs> oh, now. Heavens, yes. I happened when my mother-in-law was here last week. She was watching a station, and it turned out to be the Atlanta Superstation because mm-hmm. I'm watching the commercials. <laughs> the commercial. <laughs> if you happen to have access to it, it, it you might want to tune in for an hour or so and to watch the commercials. Um, so we want to be very cautious. You know, there's a, a limited number of Georgia voters living abroad, and it's very easy with the energy that that was brought to the table across the country that we could overwhelm them. So it's a very specific strategy just to ensure that everybody knows, ensures that they're registered, that they're going to, the way they're registered, they'll get their runoff ballot and uh, um, educating them on, because Georgia is a mail-in only state. So of course it's the toughest time of year without Mm -hmm. COVID. Right. Um, So one of the things that we've done is uh, teamed up with UPS as a, to join their members discount program. So anyone who's a member of Democrats Abroad Canada has access to the UPS shipping discount, which provides up to 50% off year round. It's not, it's not just for this. So if you've got packages, any presents you're shipping mm-hmm. over the next few weeks, um, you might want to consider this because it's, as I said, it's up to 50% off and, uh, there's even benefits if you've got packages coming inbound on brokerage fees. But uh, we're really, our voter assistance team is helping Georgia voters create their UPS account um, so that they're you know, all set and, and they can send it back in because even Canada Post is saying, you do regular mail right now and there's no guarantee. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So one more question. Yes, one more. (laughs) What do you see as the next steps that the chapter or the committee, I should say, should focus on now? Well, our our chapters are uh, in as we're finishing up, you know, working with the Georgia voters. Are the chapters are working on verifying their membership, which we have to do every year. Um, we have to go through our membership and ensure that we've been in contact with each member at least once every four years. Um, so that's the next major activity. But for both the country committee and the chapters, is we're all going to be preparing for elections, leadership elections. And uh, as I said earlier in the open, in my earlier comments, um, having a leadership role in either the country committee or at the chapter level does not require an individual to live in any specific city, in any province. Um, it, it's uh, there, there are so many opportunities. Um, within Canada from, you know, from the executive committee to members at large and our DPCA voting representatives that are focusing on the the global organization. Um, 
and chapters who uh, some some are are struggle. They struggle a lot to get Americans to come out. Um, so, uh, and I'll specifically you know highlight here um, Calgary, Edmonton, um, London, Windsor, Winnipeg. Um, it, there are tremendous opportunities to help grow the chapters uh, in those areas. There, there's some leaders who have been there for several years, uh, keeping the lights on, mm-hmm. and um, they're tired. Um, but the, there's, it's a viable organization. But if if there's a team of people, um, and so much can be done virtually now, um, that. Uh, if you're in those areas, in those provinces, um, I would encourage you to really look at your your local, what your chapter that you're assigned to, and explore and pay attention to what's going to be going on in the spring for their AGMs and when there's a call out for nominations. Um, it's all pretty much self nomination. Don't don't think somebody else has to nominate you. Um, if you feel you've got the skills and uh, the time. Uh, we would love to have you. We've got, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's uh, new people and new ideas um, are always a great thing for an organization. Oh, this is going to be a busy four years. The The next election is going to be maybe more fascinating than this past one was. Yeah, quite possibly. And uh, Absolutely. And, and where I've been inspired is talking to some people who've been deep in the trenches this year, um, who have every right to say, like, yeah, I'm done for a while, but who have said, you know, if the team's coming together, that is purely going to be looking at, you know, the opportunities for 22 and 24 and building on the successes of what we achieved in 20, um, then, then they're in. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm inspired that, you know, already there's a few people who have said, you know, I don't pl- for planning. And, and so that when we get to those years, we, we can execute, um, yeah, it's hard to let go when you see you've made a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 even you know at the chapters, um, whether it's you know in COVID or when we come out of COVID, you know then then there'll be the opportunities for in person events, but they'll still be doing virtual, which is I'll be excited to see the ba- that there's a balance. Um, so that the people who do live away from the metropolitan areas can, mm-hmm. you know, cause they do things like uh, Toronto was doing points in politics and now they do points pixels in politics. <laughs> and Canada's capital region does the third, third, third Tuesday yeah. social drop in and Vancouver's done a number, like many chapters have done speaker events, trivia events, um, uh, we've, we've taught people about writing the best way to write op-eds and letters to the editor mm-hmm. um, to help get the, the word out. Um, so don't uh, people shouldn't feel like they need the uh, top-notch computer skills or or digital strategy, digital skills or, or marketing. There's there's so many ways for people to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm, I'm hopeful that we have a good turnout of people. Uh, as we you know, just get ready to hand it over. Yeah. So words of advice for your successor. Yes. Um, build on what, what we we've pulled off here um, yeah. this year. You know, I would have said, you know, the midterms we had, we had great things, but 
um, 2020 showed that this, how dynamic this organization can be, um, how willing people are to do the work. Um, you know, I, I issued a final 30 day challenge to chapters, um, which they, they accepted just to move the needle one to 2% of engagement of their members. And uh, for all of them, I think the lowest change was seven and a half percent. Amazing. Um, so it's, uh, with, with a, a team, it, you know, it takes a team effort. It takes a number of people. It can't be one, two, three people um, doing the work, but uh, with a team and and we had several teams that took on various pieces and that's the only way we were as successful as we were um, is uh, look at what we accomplished as as a team, both as country committee and at the chapter levels and be prepared to build on that build on that momentum, sustain that momentum. Um, uh, because with, when the numbers come out, you know, and it's going to be a year or so, I think before we get the FEAP report, um, but the numbers are going to validate the work. Here, here. Oh yes. (laughs) Yes. And it, it just keeps going. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say? Uh, I don't think so. I okay. mean, it's, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know when you guys, there's so much to talk to of the work, right? It's, yeah. Um, and it just feels weird that I'm the one who's always like, and I recognize it's in my role, you know, to talk about it, it but it's, so I, I get to play the messenger. Um, but uh, there's so many people, you know, I wish I could have like the the hundreds of faces on a screen behind me, Mm -hmm. um, of of the people that made all of this, this happen because I can come up with as many ideas and thoughts, but, um, without the people being willing to, to execute and operationalize, we we wouldn't be talking about these outcomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's true. uh, it was quite a team yes yeah we did good absolutely (laughs) steve nardi thank you for joining us on the blue vote cafe and also for being an incredible leader follower for canada (laughs) thanks for everything that you've done in this past year in the past three and a half years uh, well, I, I thank you both, Rachel and David, for inviting me. I'm honored to to be a guest on the Blue Vote Cafe um, and, and have an opportunity to celebrate like the, the just wide range of work that, that was done in the successes of Canada and the opportunities for the future and, and just to see the Blue Vote Cafe become, you know, an ongoing uh, entity in in our toolkit. So thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you. Thanks. All right. I'm Rachel Oyster with David Schellenberg in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for listening to Democrats Abroad, the Blue Vote Cafe.